said unto me let us go into the house of the Lord Ezekiel chapter 36 reading with verse 24 thank you to all those that are here tonight those watching by way of the web we pray the, the blessing of the Lord on your life and pray that God tonight blesses you through the word of the Lord certainly have already been blessed by the praise and the worship team can you say amen feel God's spirit here Tonight I want to preach about new beginnings. New beginnings. It says in Ezekiel chapter 36 verse 24, For I will take you from among the heathen and gather you out of all countries and will bring you into your own land. God has a place specifically for you, doesn't he? Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you and ye shall be clean. From all your filthiness and from all your idols will I cleanse you. It's hard to live for God when you have idols in your life. Anything that you put before God is an idol. Anything that takes away time from God, it's an idol. He said, but I'm going to bring you to your place, to your own land. I'm going to cleanse you from filthiness and from the idols in your life. He said, I will cleanse you. He said, a new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you, and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you an heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes or laws, and ye shall keep my judgments and do them. And ye shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers. And ye shall be my people. And I will be your God. Can you say amen? I believe God wants to change us tonight. I believe God wants to remove some hardened things in our spirit tonight. But first of all, we must understand. We have to be separated from our idols before we can ever be cleansed. We've got to separate ourselves from the things that are consuming us. And I say for the first, for the next few weeks, and you can start tonight if you want to, I might at least have the church to start on Monday, which is the 6th. I'm asking us to fast and pray and seek God. I'll give details in my sermon. And how many want the foundation of 2020 to be right and pure and solid? Amen. How many want the foundation to be right? Let's just lift our hands and lift our voices and ask God to move upon us. tonight 
preach to you as your pastor. Because last thing in the world I'd ever want to do, especially on a holiday like tonight, is to offend any of you. But I do feel that Paul warned the next generation when he spoke to Timothy and he said perilous times are coming. He said dangerous times are coming. And uh, he, he made statements like this, that in those last days people would have a form of godliness but would deny the power. He said that men would be lovers of their own selves, boasters and proud and haughty and high-minded. But he made this statement. He said in that day they will be lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. It appears that what he was saying is somewhere in the last days is that men, even the church, are going to run toward pleasure instead of run toward God. And when we're dealing with convictions and God starts dealing with us with burdens, when God begins to give you a burden for your family and you start pondering your family being lost in eternity, maybe the world that you live in, the neighbor that lives beside you, someone you care about very much, and God puts a burden on you for that which burdens him, which I would call an eternal view. If we're not careful, instead of dealing with the burden, people don't want to deal with pain. You know, Today in our culture, culture says pain is wrong. You shouldn't have any pain. You should do whatever it takes to feel good. Someone dies and they deal with grief or the loss of a loved one. The last thing people want to do now is grieve. So they'll get medicine for it. They, they find all type of outlets for it. When someone commits sin, there's going to be an emotion with sin. It's going to be very, very painful. That emotion is going to be painful. It's going to be hard to deal with. And God put it there to tell us it's wrong. Isn't that right? Instead of letting that emotion drive us back to God, we find other ways to get our mind off of it. And the number one thing, and I preach to you tonight, the number one thing that America does with pain, their, their outlet is entertainment. It's entertainment. It's America's medicine. In the 1920s, 1930s, the late 1920s, 1930s, when the stock market crashed and, and um, it was that black day in America and the economy crashed and people lost everything and there were no jobs and you know people lost all their investments. What did they do? They found a book that was called Gone with the Wind. How many's ever read the book or maybe you've seen the movie? How many's know the Gone with the Wind? It was a very thick book. And uh, history says that it became such a popular book because in the midst of depression, it was an outlet for people to escape reality. Entertainment now has flooded our culture it has flooded our churches to the extent that when we have conviction upon us, instead of dealing with what God is putting upon us, we would rather watch a show, scroll through social media, because it separates us from the reality that we must face. And God forbid that the 
preacher starts getting on a subject or it gets a little hot in the church, if you will, that we're not careful, even while I'm preaching, you will be looking at your phone that you are now addicted to. And what was supposed to be used for a momentary communication is now consumed every area of your life. One study says that people look at their phones every 6 to 13 minutes of the day. It's not anything new that I've preached to you, but you know as well as I do, being people dealing with technology that over the since the last year, that it gets a hold of you and it gets a hold of your mind, gets a hold of your emotions. I would say many of you, if you left your phone at home, you probably turned around and went back to your home to get your phone because you can't imagine living your life that day without a phone. They call it anxiety now. They call it phone anxiety. That if a person does not have their phone, they deal with anxiety because they feel they have to have their phone. What if we felt the same way about our Bible? What if we felt the same way about missing morning prayer? What if there was an eternal view that we felt the same way about missing church the way we would feel if we missed work? The same way we would feel about our children missing church the same way we would feel if they missed a day at school. I question you tonight on where is your priority? Is it on this world? Is it on this economy? And is it in this culture? Is, or is it upon the nation that we belong to called the kingdom of God? I've come to challenge you not as your friend preacher. I've come to challenge you as the shepherd that God's called me over you to tell you we've got to escape from the idols of culture and get back to a place of prayer. Get back to a place of priority. Get back to a place of knowing God. Somebody say amen. I realize you're going to miss church every now and then for something, whether it be sickness or out of town or something of that nature, but we have to be careful not to let culture steal our time with God. Don't ever say, well, you know, I just don't think that God quit saying I just don't think. Well, I just believe God wouldn't. Be careful about how you compare or you justify things. The Bible says when you see the hour approaching in Hebrews 10 and 25, he said you need to assemble yourselves more together. Listen, it concerns me that we are at 2020, just finished 2019, and it concerns me that the pressure from the people is to have less church in American church culture than to have more church, more church as we see the hour approaching. Why? Because media has called us to want to be entertained instead of ever feel uncomfortable in the house of God. We need to be made to feel uncomfortable about eternity. We've got to become uncomfortable about winning people to the Lord. doctrines you may be seated which I believe are from hell that says it, you know it really doesn't matter how you believe just as long as you believe and if you believe you can never be lost can I tell you that's not from God 
The Bible says, he that endureth to the end, the same shall be saved. And I'm challenging this church tonight. You need to confront head on some of the burdens and emotions God's put in your spirit. He requires a steward to be found faithful. There's no excuse for not praying. There's no excuse for not reading your Bible. And there's no excuse to not going to church faithfully. Come on, can I preach to you? We got to get some old-fashioned convictions again. Let's say, I must be at the house of God. Somebody say amen. Amen, amen, amen. You may be seated. When I was growing up in church, we would have six, six weeks of revival. No break nights. I know that sounds like your parents that went to school, walked a mile, uphill both ways in a foot of snow. One guy told me, he said, that's the truth. He said, there was a valley between me and the bus stop. He said, it's uphill both ways. <laughs> I realized that. But if we're not careful, we will compare ourselves to our emotions. You know, I really don't feel good. You know, I know God understands. I worked hard today. Uh, I'm not going to go to midweek Bible study. And, and the life groups really aren't applying to me. And I think we can forget that this is not about you. The house of God isn't about you as much as we try to be applicable and make things attainable and minister to you the needs of where you are. I realize that even Sundays, maybe every sermon doesn't apply to you. But you're not here for you. This is the house of God. This is my service unto the Lord. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Why? So I can inquire in the Lord and behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. There should never be a place in our spiritual walk with God where we feel we have already arrived. I don't, I've had people serve the years. You know, I don't need church. I don't, I don't, I don't need to be preaching. I'm okay. I think that's a scary place to think I don't need a shepherd. Come on, I'm, I'm preaching to people that show up here tonight on a holiday. I'm not against any of you, but you think you need to hear what I'm saying. Because the devil is so sly that he will allow you to slip away over a few decades, not over a few weeks. Here a little and there a little. But what you have to understand is there's little eyes watching you and there's little ears watching you and there's people that could have been here tonight that aren't here not because they couldn't be here but they just think it's okay it's a holiday and I want to say to you we have to be careful because what we do in, in, in a small amount our children are going to do in excess and if midweek is not important to the family Sunday's not going to be important to their family. Amen. There has to get something. I, I think of Sister Mary Williams that's here tonight. Hey, Sister Mary. God bless you. She's, she's over 90 years old, and she doesn't care me saying that. I think she's 94. 94. One of the most precious people I've ever pastored. Amen. Amen. 
she calls me if she's going to miss on midweek and says, Pastor, is it okay if I'm not there because I have family coming in town? Why does she do that? Because she realizes she has a responsibility at the house of God. This is not dictatorship. This is her conviction that says, I need to be at the house of God and that's my shepherd. See, that's the generation she rose up in was you need to be at God's house. But this generation is so different. It's not pastor, do you think it would be okay? It's pastor, this is what I'm going to do. It's no longer that, hey, you know, I'm not going to. It's just, I think you got the point. It's not about what the headship thinks or the shepherd, but whatever I want to do is okay. And it's a dangerous place to get to where you no longer need the voice of the shepherd. All because the Bible says in that day their God was their belly. And whatever my emotion says, that's what I'm going to do. Be careful because a carnal mind becomes enmity with God and the scripture says in that day the culture will call evil good and good evil. If we're not careful, we can justify not praying because we felt good about something at the moment that seemed more important to do and feel great about something that God did not approve of. Amen. How are the mighty fallen? It says it three times. How? Somebody shout, how are the mighty fallen? When you look at scripture and you see Solomon and Samson and David and you, you see these people, you see the great nation of Israel, how do they fall away from God? It didn't happen overnight. It happened over a period of time to where something in their life began to rob their attention and began to take it away from their faithful convictions. Are y'all hear me tonight? What is it tonight that's taking your time away from your Savior? What is it in your world that's taking time away from God? What is it now that's taking, I'm gonna tell you one of the things that's, that is the God of America and that's sports. That's sports. The unending of sports. To where the emotion, I told all of our preachers, and they, they'll tell you, I said, don't any of you get your emotions involved in sports. I didn't tell them they couldn't see a game or follow any of that, but I just told them, I said, don't become emotionally connected. It should never affect the church service if the Buckeyes lose. That's idolatry. If you can't worship because your team lost, you're lost. Come on now. You'd rather watch a Super Bowl than see somebody repent at an altar of conviction. There's something wrong. There's something wrong. 
Amen. You better start learning the nature of your enemy. He'll steal every bit of your emotions where you can't weep over Calvary. You can't weep over the, you can't rejoice over heaven. You can't get excited for your neighbor. Come on, somebody help me preach right now. We gotta be careful what we let the enemy do to us. Sometimes living for God is uncomfortable. You see, when I was growing up in church, you heard things like personal convictions. God won't let me do that anymore. I can't talk that way anymore. I, I, I didn't want to get up at 3.30, but man, God wouldn't let me sleep. When's the last time God woke up in the middle of the night and was sharing his heart with you? Or is it possible you were so far caught up in, in culture that you can hear him knocking on the door of your heart? Why? Because our emotions are being spent on things that make us feel better in our moments when we should be feeling burdens. And I moved tonight because it ought to trouble you, and I don't know anybody that has, but it ought to trouble you that you can stay home from church for a football game. when you haven't even won a soul to God in three years. Give me that old time religion. I'm not angry, I'm stirred. I'm stirred that people can comfortably stay home. That have been in church for decades truth of the matter is and give outlandish reasons why they can't be here when the fact of the matter is they just should have said I don't want to be there tonight what I'm saying is it was when you lose your desire for God's house to be with God's people you're losing your desire for God So tonight, I feel a little something happening in the church. I understand the level of prophecies that overshadow certainly the end time, but overshadows specifically this church here tonight about the prophecies of revival and harvest and souls and the building filling up and multiple services won't be able to contain the crowd in three years. I'm excited about that. I really am excited about seeing somebody baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. Anybody? I'm excited about seeing hundreds of people come to God. Amen. You know what we need? We need a good old baptism of fire again. Come on, a good old baptism of a stirring of God again. Is there anybody here that says, Lord, stir me. Stir up the gift that is in me, oh God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Do you ever wonder how David, who was a giant killer, and bear with me here tonight in this, 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 this teaching that I'm giving you, David was a giant killer. They sang in the streets, David's killed his thousands. Saul's killed his thousands, but David has killed his tens of thousands. David became king and was powerful before God. But something happened. He fell in love with what he was looking out of his window at instead of loving what God called him to do. 
It matters which window you're looking through. And somehow a man that was a king that could conquer as a lad, the champion of the enemy, now he can't even conquer his own flesh. He can't even keep the fast that he put himself in. Are y'all here with me right now? And what God's calling us to is to separate from that which is pushing us away from God. If you would face reality tonight, you're possibly here tonight and you could say, there was a time in my life I prayed more. There was a time in my life that I cared more. There was a time in my life I was burdened for souls more. If we're not careful, we'll be busy with jobs and hanging out. Somebody say amen help me right now. But what I'm preaching to you in 2020 is gonna be a whole new beginning. It's gonna be a year of fruitfulness. It's gonna be a year that your ministry unfolds. It will be a year where the branch makes it over the wall in your life and, and reaches more people than it's ever reached. But your branch has gotta get above some things that's holding you back. And one of the things God's told me, and I feel it right now, is we must remove the idols from our home that are keeping us from God. Amen, I say to this congregation, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, some of you have coworkers and people that are speaking into your life that's causing you to question who you are in God. You need to cut that relationship off and get back where you need to be with the Lord. Don't you let anybody, anybody cause you not to be right with God tonight. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. When you look at 2 Samuel, the Bible chapter 11, it says it was a day the kings go to battle that David stayed home. Look at your neighbor and say, don't stay home. We can't stay home when God called us to go to battle. It's dangerous to stay home when God called you to go to battle. He slept in. He should have been praying, but <coughs> he slept in. When he did, he starts looking at things that appease his flesh. I want everybody to say this, to live for God, I must deny myself. In the last three months, the Lord, two months, the Lord has spoke to me about this church that if we're ever gonna reach the destiny, we must deny our flesh. He didn't nail the devil to the cross. He nailed flesh to the cross. And then the next few weeks, we're gonna start Monday, you can start tonight if God permits, but I think the whole church ought to turn social media off. I think from Monday all the way through the 30th, the end of the month, you ought to remove yourself from all media, from every window that looks at the world, that allows a pipeline of carnality to come into your house that cause you not to want to read your Bible or pray or even go to the house of God. I watched, hear me, I watched when television, they used to preach against the television so hard. They used to preach against us so hard, Brother Nehemiah, that I was scared to look at a TV box. They did. They called them televisions when I was growing up. Everybody getting nervous in here right now. Oh my God. I have to unplug this thing. You'd be better off. And you know it. And you know it. My, my, my. I'm here. When I was a young kid, they preached against the technology of television. So, I mean, we got a pretty big screen in the building, so that's a large screen right there. There's a day that wouldn't have been allowed in the church. That's the truth. 
But they preached against television so hard, I bit my neighbor's house. And they had a TV on. And I was talking to somebody here, and there was somebody over here, and talked to me, I'd go. I was scared to death to look what might come across that because they preach against TV all the time. Better not have one in your home. It was constant. Problem is, is when it was started being allowed, people didn't govern the television because they preached against the box. Instead of preaching against, I made a covenant with mine eyes and turning it off and when you come to something wrong. Boy, it's so, it's quiet in the building. Let me tell you what some of you ought to do. If your emotions are not where they need to be and you're feeling real uncomfortable, not just tonight, but you've been a little bit numb, not able to feel God, haven't been able to break 10 minutes of prayer, turn your TV off for three months and watch what happens. The television will become so, what shows in there consistently, will become so bad after three months. When you turn it back on, you look and say, man, I can't believe how bad TV's gotten the last three months. It didn't get any worse. Your conscience just got better. Come on, it's a law of gradualism. Y'all know I'm telling you the truth. And the show might be okay, but you gotta put up with commercials. Right or wrong? Well, I didn't. I didn't divulge that whole show, but you got you got splashed on in in five seconds from Dirt of the World that now it painted a picture. My goodness, splashed on from and you you are struggling spiritually because all of the stuff you're trying to put up with in the name of entertainment, trying to deal up with all this and these thoughts that's coming through the television and coming through media and social media and the, and, the, and the advertisements until you're constantly doing this and you don't have time to pray because you're trying to push thoughts back that are coming through me. Just turn it off for a while. It's not worth the fight. said it's not worth the fight. Why don't you do this? Humble yourself. Turn everything off and get on your knees and say, I'm gonna get a hold of God and read my Bible until my, until the, till, till I feel compassion about God again, love for the things of God again, until I get a prayer life back and I, I feel myself wanting to worship again and love souls and Calvary in the world. Come on, am I preaching to anybody? It'll happen if you will separate yourself. Somebody shout amen. amen. And what God wants to do in this room, he wants to give new beginnings to some people. But what God has showed me is that before you can have a new beginning and get a new heart, a fresh beginning, you've got to separate yourself from the idols in your world. Can a TV be an idol? I'm going to ask again. Can a television be an idol? Can a phone be an idol? Can sports be an idol? Hobbies being idle? Yes. Bible says they went to the temple for an hour of prayer. When's the last time you prayed for an hour? Or is that just something we expect out of our new converts because they appreciate where God brought them from recently? Understand what I'm saying? I don't want to lose the new view, the new excitement, the new stirring. Some of you feel condemned and it's wrong. 
Be seated a moment. Let me deal with this. When I preach like I'm preaching tonight, you can't feel I'm condemning you. I'm trying to bring you out of this pattern of fruitlessness. I'm telling you, you will practice what I'm preaching. There will be a new heart, a new stirring, a new calling. There will be a reviving. Your marriage will be better. Your relationship with your children will be amazing. Why? Because God is at the center and he's not outside the house. Amen, amen. I saw a statement the other day said we need to quit quit pursuing a greater relationship with our spouse and start pursuing a relationship with God and that relationship with our spouse will become much greater. That's the truth because the closer you get to love, the more you're gonna love. The closer you get to the light, the more darkness is gonna leave. There's something about getting close to him. Somebody say amen. The problem with idols, it always makes you feel dirty. The problem with idols It always brings dirt in your life. Can I ask you as your pastor tonight, what are you fighting off that you cannot get to prayer? If Jesus fasted 40 days, if Moses fasted to get the law, what are we doing to get closer to him? How many ever find your mind perplexed because of media? Would you raise your hand? Come on, be honest with pastor. How many ever found your mind perplexed because of media? Yeah. Here's a big question. Are you praying like you should? Or reading your Bible like you should? Is your desire to be here or do you just have to come tonight? What I'm saying to you on this Wednesday evening service, let's remove the idols of 2019 that showed up in our world and say 2020 is gonna be my greatest, most pure, most righteous, and most productive year. How about it? How about it? All you young people got your phone turned off? All of you got your phone? Y'all have cell phones on you? Put them up in there if you got your cell phone with you. Hold them up like that. See that little button on the side of it? That's called an off button. Tell them to turn them off. Now all you adults, hold yours up. Unless you're on call. Why don't you you reach up there and turn that off? Go ahead. Get a hold of it for a few seconds. Someone's like, I didn't know it was an off button on my phone. (laughs) Turn it off. I was at one place to preach this, and they was like, can we turn it back on? (laughs) They thought I meant forever. I should have just stayed silent. Man, you're talking about revival would have happened in Louisiana. Praise God. Turn it off. I was praying one time. I was right there. This is years ago. I heard James Dobson made a statement that you shouldn't answer your phone at the dinner table. It's the most important room in the house. Have you ever heard that? Why? Because that's where you are with your children. You communicate and you talk. And... Uh, I taught years ago about don't get the refrigerator has a TV in it. How many's ever been to the Best Buy and they got TVs in the refrigerator? Anybody ever seen that? Yeah. Why would you need a TV in a refrigerator? 
but you probably got one in your bathroom. Uh-oh. I'm meddling now. I had too much coffee. <laughs> They're all over the place. TV jack in every room. Because God forbid you could have any silence. And uh, James Dobson said the most important room in the house was the dining room. It's because that's where you communicate, you eat, and you fellowship, you talk, and ask about the day, and how's school, and how's work, and on and on. And um, he said, don't answer your phone during dinner time. Leave it. He said, because you answer your phone, what you just said to your wife and kids or to your husband and kids is that whatever's happening now is more important than what I'm doing with you. That's what he taught. And so I taught it here and practiced it. One day I was in prayer right here, Brother Nehemiah, and I was praying as a pastor, and my phone rings. I can't leave my phone, you know. I'm an important pastor. You've got to have my phone on. Well, don't laugh at me. It's why you got your phone on to you. You're important too, you know. Kids got to get them a hold. Husband got to get a hold of me. Somebody got to get a hold of me. And I'm in my prayer time. And I'm walking. And, oh, God. Oh, God. I was emotional in prayer. Hold on. Hello. Put my phone up. Now, God chastises me a specific way. The Bible says those whom he loves, he chastises. What does that mean? That's like a, a whipping. Uh, you know, chastise me. How he chastises me, he reaches inside of me and pulls out my peace. And I feel empty. I don't have any peace in my life. That's how he deals with me. That's how for many years he's told me that things are right and wrong. I said, all right, God, what do I do? He said, you won't answer your phone at the dinner table with your kids. Why are you interrupting your time with me by answering your phone? Why? Because we justify. Because we can't see him. That our time with him is not important. And it's wrong. And I say to all the preachers in the room, and all the teachers, and all the choir members, and all the music, all those that pour yourself into ministry, that's ministering to people, but you need time with God. I don't care if you teach five Bible studies a day, there's some time that's got to be spent with God. Well, I dealt with this earlier. I feel it leaving the room. Some of you felt condemned as if you can't ever get better, and that I was on your case. I'm just trying to help you. I'm your shepherd. I'm leading you. I'm preaching truth to you tonight, and you know it deep down that I'm preaching truth to you. This is 2020. You know what? I don't want to miss what God has for me. I don't want this church to miss the window of opportunity to have a breakthrough revival that reaches southeastern Ohio, that jumps the state lines and moves on over across the country and reach. Come on. God's called you to greatness. Let's not ruin it with carnality. Let's stand to our feet all over the building. What if you sought to have a perfect attendance in 2020 in your daily Bible reading, daily prayer, and faithfulness to the house of God? What if you sought to say, I'm gonna be faithful? The only thing that makes me good before God is faithfulness. Did y'all hear what I said? The Bible says it's required of a steward to be found faithful. Uh, 
Honey, would you come up here and stand with Jillian as I come to close, come to a close? I hope that if something would happen to me or you or both of us, that there's such a pattern already set in her life that when I'm gone, the convictions I had about my God and Savior, she would want to fulfill. If your kids repeat your life, would you be okay with that? Or would you want them to be closer than you are? I say 2020 be a year of no regrets. We make a covenant on this first day, a new beginning, and say, you know what, I've... Jillian, more than anything, you listen to me. It matters how you look. The Bible says don't be conformed to this world. That means don't be identified with in your conversation, the way you dress, where you go, and the morals in which you embrace. You need a God nature and you can't have a God nature without being near God. Love Him. You got to make a choice of the, of, of the world or the church. Always choose the church. Don't let anything on Sunday take you away from God's house. And the way I preach to you, I preach to them cause eternities in you and if they don't prioritize God's house and God's word and even God's man they'll be lost not tomorrow not three months from now but maybe 20 years cause the devil is patient to wait on people to devalue what God has set as precedence to devalue and that's what that scripture means, Julian. When he said in Ezekiel, because the children of Israel went away from God and served idols, and he said, I'm going to bring them back. And God's going to bring them back. There's a bunch of people that God's going to redeem, and he's going to bring them back. But God forbid the culture and the atmosphere of this church is modern instead of old-fashioned. You've got to have conviction for the atmosphere to be have conviction. I'm going to say it again. It's not just up to the pastor's conviction. The church congregation has to have a level of conviction for there to be conviction in the building. Somebody say amen. And he said, I'm going to bring them in. I'm going to redeem them. I'm going to bring them to the land that, they, that they're promised to. He said, I'm going to cleanse them, Jillian. He said, I'm going to cleanse them from their idols. And he said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to give them a new heart. And if they will obey my statutes, somebody say amen. He said, I will give you a new spirit. That's new passions, new attitude. Well, I put within you, I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh. And I will give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. Somebody say amen. And you shall keep my judgments and do them. 
and ye shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers and ye shall be my people and I will be your God. The Lord is saying, I'm going to give you a new beginning but I need you to separate from some idols. How many of you ever had an idol in your life? Come on, be real. I think I explained it pretty well. Yep. I think we all have. I have. I'm your pastor. Every now and then, you've got to separate yourself from the table, stuff your flesh wants and pleasure. Say, I don't want anything to take away my love for him. Hear me. I can say this in closing. You should love God more than you love your wife or your husband. And your husband or your wife should love God more than they love you. Hey, there ought to be a hearty amen. I think there ought to be a hearty amen in the building. You should love God more than your children. You should love God more than your country. You should love God more than your job. Come on now. If he's put on the back shelf somewhere, everything becomes discombobulated and out of order. But if you put God first, everything just lines right up. How many can say amen to that? I want everybody that would to come to the front. Everybody. Says, let's all gather around the front. Get as close as you can. There's a great crowd here on Wednesday. If you want your children to be daily Bible readers, raise your hand. means you've got to become a daily become a daily Bible reader. They're not going to do what you say. They're going to do what you do. How many know that's true? It's like if you have a bad habit and tell your kids they can't, and but you have the bad habit, keep the bad habit. They're going to they're going to they're going to do the bad habit. That's true. I've, I've, I watch people. It's my life. If you want your children to be faithful to the house of God, raise your hand. you got to be faithful to the house of God don't skip church for pleasure for they love the for men love the pleasures of this world more than the things of God how many know that you want your kids to pray every day guess what you need to do pray every day I heard somebody say it recently I think it was brother Adam Nelson was telling me that somebody was teaching on New Year's resolutions and said that if, if you miss a day of prayer then and you committed to praying every day don't stop praying the next day and just give up because if you skip breakfast you're not going to skip lunch am I right or wrong? huh? if you skip lunch accidentally you're not going to skip dinner if you skip prayer for whatever reason you slept in hit the snooze button too many times just say I'll pray in the morning 
but I'm going to stay consistent as I can. Somebody say amen. Everybody in this room is needed at the house of God. And I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I want you to ask God, what's the idol in my life that's leading me away from prayer, devotion, and relationship with you? Would you ask God today? in my life that is causing me to slip away Lord is it TV is it YouTube is it Instagram is it Facebook is it the news is it the news app is it spending is it finances God what is it you to begin to repent. I'm sorry God for not spending more time with you in 2019. Come on everybody begin to pray. Come on it hasn't been more time for family it's been more time for you. Your spirit's not been at rest. But God's going to give you the rest that you've been seeking. Come on that's it God I'm sorry. building God forgive us let us be a church that prays together let's be a family that prays together at home let's be a couples that pray together and seek God Take a moment. Come on, take a moment. Process. The Lord's revealing things here tonight.